0: Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence. Self-confident. Unconstrained. Good evening. Happy New Year. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have Lindy Ortega. Although Austin may have laid claim to the title of the live music capital of the world, there really is only one town where musicians with a hardcore Jones for country music make their pilgrimage. Native Canadian Lindy Ortega already had made a name for herself up north, releasing a pair of EPs and a record that racked up a pair of Juno Award nominations when she arrived in Nashville. But once in Guitar Town, she hit the red ground running, enlisting fellow Canadian journeyman musician Colin Linden to produce her newest record, Cigarettes and Truck Stops. The result is a set of 10 songs that play like Dolly Parton on steroids. There are nods to the female forebears of Torch and Twang, Emmylou, Loretta, Tammy and Patsy, all the demigoddesses that should be on Music City's Mount Rushmore. But Ortega is also a writer of substance who is not afraid to single-handedly attempt to pull country music into the 21st century by questioning the authority of Nashville's politically incorrect establishment. Her songs pull no punches, but they are dressed up in enough sequins that the good old boys may be too entranced by her voice and charming stage presence to know they're being rendered archaic. And you simply must hear her smoldering take on the Man in Black's Ring of Fire. If Ortega is the future of country music, we can't wait to see where we're going. Welcome, Lindy. Hello.
1: Howdy. It's Howdy, <laughs> that's a very appropriate thing to say for a, for a
0: Torontonian. Is that what you call people from Toronto? Is it a Torontonian? Yeah,
1: Torontonian. Torontonian, <laughs> yeah. but now
0: you're a Nashvillian. It's, I, na- I
1: like to refer to myself as a Nashvillian.
0: A Nashville, very yeah. nice. And what do you call, you're not really bi-coastal at that point, because it's pretty much straight, um, it's yeah. almost like straight north, right? Yeah, I don't know. So you wouldn't be bi-coastal, but you would be bi-latitudinal, I guess?
1: I suppose so, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, you did, you know, you had a career going, in toronto for a while like i said you had juno award nominations which is no slouch that's like a that's a big deal that's you know for those of us who aren't canadians that's that's tantamount to a grammy nomination and you got two of them mm-hmm. for your for that record um and that record does little red boots record correct little
1: red boots little red boots mm-hmm.
0: so you're doing well in canada you got a couple eps you know you're you're I mean, are you touring kind of nationally by that point yeah, I was or touring a little bit yeah okay mm-hmm. so what precipitated this move from your hometown all the way to nashville
1: well, um, I started to get really interested in uh, biographies that I was reading um, about Hank Williams and Johnny Cash, and Patsy Cline, and I noticed that a lot of my country music heroes had either passed through Nashville, uh, came from Nashville, spent time in Nashville, lived in Nashville, pissed off Nashville, wh- whatever it may be, Right. and... Um, you know i I just I wanted to be where the history was. It wasn't enough for me to read about it. I needed to go and absorb it and breathe the air and talk to people about um you know that era and country music, people who may have worked with those people um and then also um i you know there was a the decision to record my record there, so I figured you know I'm gonna be there anyway for recording. I might as well just um uproot myself and uh and uh, make a, a home for myself in Nashville.
0: Right. And you, you left some stuff behind. I mean, I know, you know, Canada, like England, has mm-hmm. they have some support for artists. Is that correct? Like, I've read different stories. I have different friends of mine who are Canadian musicians. Um, you know, in England, they have the Prince's Trust, which goes, you know, it's money for musicians to do oh. art. Mm-hmm. Does it mean what, have you had an experience with that in your homeland? Yeah, home our line?
1: government um, does a lot of programs that help artists out, and I've definitely been a beneficiary of those um, you know, we we apply for grants, and okay. um, some of them have helped fund some of my projects, which has been really wonderful. And um, I think we're still eligible as long as we're, you okay. know, <laughs> using our, like Colin Linden is a Canadian um, right. producer. So. Yeah,
0: so you can be an exile, yes. sort of, yes. in Nashville, but mm-hmm. still benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, you know, I tried to find a Canadian girlfriend for so long. <laughs> Long. I was like, man, the healthcare, I mean, the weather is not all that great, but I'm from Chicago, how bad right. could it be, you know? <laughs> um, so you you make this, t- you, so you're leaving, you know, friends and family, and, like, how, r- I mean, I guess you're making a new record, but did it feel risky to do that?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, it was one of these things where... Um, you know, I said I would do it. I was, I spent two months in Nashville, kind of using it as a hub to tour out of because I had a bunch of shows in the U.S. and it sort of made more sense as opposed to constantly going across the border. So we sort of assembled a band out of Nashville okay. and toured out of Nashville. And so I was there living out of the extended stay for about two months in a hotel. And, um, and it just sort of, uh, that's kind of where the ideas started to be planted in my mind as a seed and um so I said after that that two months that I was going to move I told my parents everything you know I really want to move to Nashville and when I said I was going to do that I I had to act on it it was you know I'm kind of a person of my word when it comes to things like that so I didn't want to look a fool and um I, you know, I, I did it. I gave my my notice. I had a really nice apartment in Toronto, and my family and my friends were all close. But, um, and it, I'd never lived far away from my my family or anything like That's that. That's a big deal. That's yeah. A, you know, that most, it really is for most
0: yeah. most kids. It's like when they go away to college. I mean, I went to Berklee College of Music for one semester in Boston. It was a thousand miles away from home, and I wasn't ready at yeah. the time when I first went away. I, I and I. I mean, I made it through okay, you know, Mm -hmm. and eventually I I got this world-class case of wanderlust. Now I've been around the world. But that was the first time, and it was really, really hard to leave everything, you know, behind like that.
1: Yeah, it was difficult. I mean, I had to, you know, sell a lot of my furniture that I couldn't fit in a cargo van. It's like everything I could fit in a cargo van I could bring with me and the rest uh, I had to sell or store at my mom in my mom's basement. And um, yeah, and it just like, it became a big reality to me as it geared closer to uh, me getting kicked out of the apartment that I was uh, in in Toronto and having to find one like really last minute in Nashville. I mean, I moved at the end of December and I found an apartment in Nashville, like de- December sixth or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was really cutting it close. And um, but now it, it's been one of the best things I've ever done for myself. And yeah, it was a little you know lonely at first. I didn't know a whole lot of people in Nashville, so um, I had to sort of deal with these feelings of, of like alienation and feeling alone. But um, and you're in a
0: foreign country now. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was like a lot of crazy things I had to deal with being far away from people that I knew. And yeah. like I mean, my I don't drive either, so and my dad dad, he'd used to like drive me to the grocery store if I needed food, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I got to find my own way and figure out how to do all these things. Yeah, and Na-
0: Nashville not really the best town to not drive in. No. <laughs> you know, I've spent enough time there to know. I guess there are certain areas, like if you lived close to a Kroger, which yeah. is their grocery store, right? Yeah. If you lived up the street from a Kroger and a bus stop, I guess you could get around, but it's yeah. not like New York or Chicago where there's a big transportation system. Public uh, transportation
1: I mean, there system. is a transportation system there, but it is not the way it is in Toronto, which has a very good connected right. you know transportation system so uh, there was a lot of things to get used to as i was um, you know just getting settled in but um the, the more i was there the more i felt at home and now i love it yeah yeah so mm-hmm. you're
0: so you're there you know you've got your apartment and you've got know. your guitar you know you've unpacked your cat or whatever <laughs> <and> <laughs> i wish
1: i, I don't <laughs> have any animals i'd love to have a pet but i can't yeah
0: yeah it's yeah. hard for a touring musician yeah. but so you're, you're in this you're in your new apartment what's what's the first thing you do
1: um, well, I wanted to unpack as soon as possible because I didn't want to be sitting amongst boxes for, for, you know, cause I knew I'd be touring and if I left it, I would be months and months with boxes. So I made sure to set it up and like go out shopping and like make it a home as soon as, as I could, you know, and I'm super into like HGTV and all those like decorating sort of channels. So, um, yeah, I just, I made sure to really set it up and, and turn it into sort of, um, uh, sanctuary for me, so I would feel really comfortable writing there and creating, because that was really what I wanted to to use it for—to be inspired inspired by so um, yeah that was the first the first thing I did was just really turn it into a real home and I you know went out and got all these I'm a big fan of like Dia, Dia de los Muertos Day of the Dead oh, yeah. like Mexican Skulls and so I just went and got all that and Christmas lights everywhere it's very cool. cozy <laughs>
0: okay but now now let's expand that circle yeah. just a little bit like you know you've got your home base set up like then what do you do like you gotta jump into this new scene like how yeah. where I mean obviously you're there making a record so you had some connections already yeah. but did you already have contact with Colin Linden, the producer, when you were by the time you had your apartment? Yes. Okay. So yeah. you had you had yeah. a soft landing for that.
1: Yeah. And also I was pretty much touring the minute I moved to Nashville. So okay. <laughs> um like really my getting to know Nashville happened in sort of the two months that I was there prior and then sort of interims between tours this whole year. So okay. um, I'm still, you know, getting getting acquainted with everything there.
0: Yeah. So when yeah. you're home now, you know, home, Nashville, home, yeah. new home. If, since you're on the road so much, I mean, do you have, like, a local network of friends or, I, like, local stuff that you, like, haunt? You yeah, I
1: do now. I, I Like, I'm starting to, to, you know, check out places. Like, I, I really love um, – there's the 12th South Tap Room which uh, is really great for live music. Um, the basement, there's Grimy's the uh-huh. record store, and then there's the basement um, where I've seen some incredible bands play, and it's just like a small, um, it's, a, it's a great room. There's lots of amazing music being played there. I've been to Mercy Lounge many times, mm-hmm. um, Station Inn for the Time Jumpers, and yeah, there's just, and honky-tonking on Broadway is always a lot of the fun. The Time
0: Jumpers were just up at Hardly Strictly Bluegrass, yeah. and they just got nominated they for did. a Grammy just that. late last year, so awesome. we're, we're looking forward to seeing yeah. what happens with that. Yeah, And, you know, some musicians I've read, I mean, I'm not sure if you're at this level yet, one because if you get hotel stays, like it depends on if you have a lot of hotel stays or not. But I know some musicians, everywhere they go, they unpack their bag, regardless of how long they're going to be there for a night. I mean, they don't get like every every single thing out, <laughs> but like they'll put their clothes in the drawer of the dresser because then they feel like even if they're there for a night or two then they feel like they have something to hold on to. Yeah. And it's interesting how everyone has these rituals.
1: I'm am, I am a tornado when it comes to my hotel
2: rooms.
0: Are you my roommate?
1: <laughs> like I I literally you think it was hit by a tornado and a hurricane doing the tango in the middle of the room. Um yeah.
0: Little little uh, bit I've, of John Bonham in your blood maybe? Not,
1: well, it's not it's not Yeah, it's not that I intend to make a mess. I just my it's like my suitcase like, you know, barfs up everything that's in it the minute I walk in the door so (laughs) So, because I'm like looking for stuff at the bottom of it I don't know how people pack I'm really bad at that so
0: here's an interesting uh, jump here is your apartment the same way no my apartment interesting because
1: I love like my apartment like I said is like a sanctuary to me and um, and, and I'm a big fan of sort of HGTV so I I like to showcase (laughs) Uh so I'm very much like I like inviting people over and being like look at my lights and my little candles and all my knickknacks
0: it's (laughs) almost like your hotel room is reminding me of That Seinfeld episode when he's renting the car and the guy who's uh, he's renting the car from asking, well, do you want the extra insurance? And Jerry says yes because I'm going to beat the hell out of this thing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the the hotel hotel room—it's somebody else's car. You can beat it up.
1: The hotel room is the dirty little secret. Like I I don't normally let people in there.
0: (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's hear a little bit of your music. We've got a track queued up from your record. It just came out in October. It is called Cigarettes and Truck Stops. Ten tunes. Uh, I listened to it um, this whole thing this afternoon. Really dug it and like it like it a lot. Colin Linden. I'm familiar with his work, so it's hard to not like the stuff that he Mm -hmm. puts out i mean excellent slide playing good production uh and i I, i'm I'm convinced that canadians have better taste than americans in music so i mean i loved it right off the bat so this is the track murder of crows lindy ortega on independence day Ortega on Independence Day, L-I-N-D-I, Ortega, traditional spelling with the last name. You can find out about her at www.lindyortega.ca, right? Canadian website?
1: I think com will take you there, .com too. com will take you yeah. there points there. <laughs>
0: also, of course, on the Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Lindy Ortega fans. You can follow her on Twitter at Lindy, you know, uh, twitter.com slash Lindy Ortega. And you've got a YouTube channel as well, it looks like. YouTube.com yes. slash Lindy Ortega. So you are fully, fully web-enabled. All up
1: in the interwebs. All
0: up in the interwebs. Worldwide. And they're all up in us. We, they're, they're, uh, we, are, we are them. <laughs> and they are us. So you're a uh, singer-songwriter, Toronto, by by birth, Nashville, now, Is your you call that, home, but you're out on the road quite a bit. Um, so you've you know you've arrived in Nashville. You're working with Colin Linden. Um, does he move pretty quick in the studio? Like how long was the rec- recording process?
1: Um, I, I think we did it a, over a week. <laughs> it was pretty quick, yeah. But I mean, that's the way they moved to in Nashville. Oh, it's yeah. Very, it's very... Do you know, you know the know. numbers?
0: Have you run oh, into the I numbers don't know yet? do anything about music You know about theory? the numbers, though?
1: No, the only term I learned is diamond.
0: Okay. Yeah. What does diamond mean?
1: I think it's when you hold something at the end.
0: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. That's
1: a diamond. There's this
0: whole thing of Nashville numbers and hand signals, yeah. which they can't see in radio land. But You're if right. you know, music theory one, two, three, four, five are the you know the chord numbers, and you'll hold up this, you'll put a two, and then like you can they can just get the band in and count off. Yeah. And, if, you know, they're all seasoned players there. They're maniacal. And you can just, like, the, the producer can just sit there and everybody's just watching the producer and they've never played the song before and they'll just blow it out in three yeah. minutes. It's amazing. It
1: is amazing. It's
0: amazing. I mean, yeah. there's great studio musicians in New York, of course, and in L.A. and elsewhere. Yeah. But those Nashville cats, man, because they're so self, they're, like, so unassuming there. It's, mm-hmm. like, these nice guys, like, middle-aged, balding, paunchy guys come <laughs> in and sit down and just rip it up. Rip it up. You know? So tell me about your band a little bit. I was watching the YouTube videos. You've got a smoke and telly player. Is that the same guy you have on like the live stuff? Is it you got the same guy all the yeah, time? Yeah, I
1: mean, uh, I do. Sometimes we switch it up depending on the availability. My main guy is this guy named Champagne James Robertson. Um, he's from. That's Toronto. his Christian name. <laughs> yeah, he, he told me his name was Champagne because he was bubbly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he a hippie.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, he's just a real nice guy. And yeah. He's really great. Um, a uh, guitar player, um, and I usually play with him as often as I can. He's in a band called New Country Rehab, so sometimes he's got to, you know, uh, he's got to play with them, so it's just very understandable. And, um, but, you know, when I'm lucky, he gets to play with me, and, uh, um, I, I love him, and yeah, you've probably seen his work on the, on the YouTube videos. He's yeah. an incredible guitar player. Very band. good telly picker. Yeah. That's what they call him. is pickers. Yeah.
0: Telly picker. How about the? So, you've got, have you got a band in Nashville then? Because Nashville's got this I'm, whole callist system. Yeah,
1: well, the thing is, is I have like a Canadian band and a Nashville band, and then I loved them all so much that sometimes I, I- interchange them. Ooh, I'll you have make two an Canadians. Uber band. I'll have two Nashvillians, you know, or, you know, I just kind of switch it up here and there. Because I love them all; they're all really great.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but you try to stick close to the same players. I try to, regularly? yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So, but Sh- Champagne James is—he's <laughs> usually my main. You
0: got to have a guy named Champagne. <laughs> <around> <laughs> if you got a guy named Champagne, <laughs> you got to yeah. keep him around. Yeah. I met a guy named Spider once, but I don't think I want a guy named Spider in my band. It's not really that kind of music. So you know, so you arrive in Nashville. I mean, like I said, you, you've got the soft landing with Colin. You know, you've really got momentum going in your career. Um, Nashville's renowned for having this kind of good old boys club like did you ever did you butt heads with that in any way once you got there, or was it pretty smooth because you had so much other stuff going on?
2: Yeah,
1: I didn't pay attention to any of that stuff. I just you know because i I'd, I'd already sort of recorded my record and um I, I it's not like I was going to Nashville to get a manager or a label. I already had those things in place like my real Reason for going was pure inspiration, and, um, and 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 history lessons. You know, so uh, it's a different, I guess, ball game for somebody like me than it might be for other people that are hoping to make it. Yeah, you know, you're not really hoping. having to
0: fight your way in. You're kind of already no. in.
1: Well, I mean, I. I don't know, but I, I just like I've got my 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 players in place. I guess my team is 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 assembled, so I'm not. I uh, you know, wasn't really concerned with with all that sort of trying to impress everybody. Yeah, I was just yeah, trying yeah. to do my thing, different and different battles. Inspired. Yeah.
0: Well, very very nice. How about you play a tune for us? Is that sure. cool? What have you got for us here, Lindy?
1: Cigarettes and truck stops. Oh, is The, the title the track. The
0: title track. I can't wait to hear it. So this is Lindy Ortega on Independence Day. Uh, my name is Joe Armstrong. We come to you every Wednesday night from beautiful Pasadena, California. Tonight we have as as i said nashvillean by way of toronto lindy ortega
2: I'm gonna aboard this gray out right it all See, I'm missing you like crazy. I can't stand to be so. Sure. Good
0: Wendy Ortega on Independence Day, very, very lovely. Thank you. Dig it, dig it, dig it. So, how much artistic license are you taking there? Was there really some dude or person in California? It's
1: extremely autobiographical. That song. It. It was from. uh, I engaged in uh, a tour man uh, tour romance, and um, uh, you know they tell you they always tell you not to ever you know date anybody that you're on tour with because it's a bad idea. Um, of course, I didn't heed that warning because I'm extremely stubborn. I'm the kind of person that, you know, I'll, I'd will i get burned by the stove before I learned that the stove is hot. So, I need, you know, I need to get the burn to really understand it.
0: Lindy, <laughs> the heart wants what it wants.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And, you so. know, wh- wh- who are we to, to try to keep us from it? It's, we're going to do it. It's, it's, that's the way it is. We're musicians. Yeah. We're emotional people, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. I've dated people in the band. It's not... Uh, doesn't go well usually
1: yeah and it just happens you know so um that was a song about missing that person you know of course you we from different parts of the – he was from L.A. I was from Toronto at the time, and I wanted to get on a Greyhound and go see Yeah, him. <laughs>
0: I don't recommend cross-country Greyhound trips. No, yeah. I've done those. They're not pretty. No,
1: yeah. You I meet I, some
0: fun- – they're great for songwriting, though, man. I've met some funky, funky people.
1: Yeah.
0: And usually <laughs> – this is inside information when it comes to bus-hound bus trips, and I'm sad that I even know this. The daytime part of the journey is no big deal. It's the overnight that's the problem. Yeah. Because that's when, like, people who, like, are working, like, they'll get, like – I've driven – Or I've ridden. I've ridden all the way from Chicago to Memphis with like the whole bus to myself practically, because I was going to San Antonio to see a girl. And then from Memphis to Dallas was when it was the overnight part, and it was packed to the gills. And I sat next to some skinny Mexican dude, (laughs) you know, full on hat, boots, you know, and that, you know, I guess he was fine, but uh, that was that was not pleasant. <laughs> so don't well
1: yeah. That. I mean I don't I don't really travel by that route too much but, yeah, but it's a
0: very romantic <laughs> notion to yeah. think yeah. about traveling that way.
1: Yeah. I mean I used to do like bus tours before like with my mom. <laughs> yeah. We we'd go on like little trips, you know, the uh-huh. d- um you know the bus tours that they do with trips and it would always be with like old people. So it'd be me and my mom and a bunch of
0: yeah. old people. Oh, I've toured on buses. <laughs> That's a whole different ball yeah. of wax. Like I love that. Touring yeah. on a bus is the way to go. It's like you got your little house. You know? Yeah,
1: I mean, there's definitely upsides to that, for sure. I, I do love being in a van, though, as crazy as that is. I mean, I love being able to sit right up front with my feet up on the dashboard and just watching the world go by.
0: Yeah, there's there's more freedom, there's less overhead. Yes. Those, those those buses aren't cheap. You know, it's no. like You get to yeah. a certain point of touring, and then you're automatically shelling out, you know, was it three grand a week now for those buses? Yes. Probably, or thereabouts, you know, so that's just money's just gone. You know, van it's gas. I mean, I guess you rent the van unless you own one. So, in any case, you've got a lot of touring coming up. I've noticed. By the way, I was I looked at your website today, and you're all over Canada this month, January, uh, through the end of the month, and you're in the states all through like the South, back down to Nashville in February, uh, up through Shubas, Chicago, my hometown. Love that venue. Played that. I've played there before. Such a great venue to play. Great. They still feed you there.
1: Um. I don't remember. Last time I was there, I did an interview in the basement in this like weird little yeah. part that looked <laughs> like it, there was like bodies buried down there or something. But the it basements was awesome. of bars
0: are funky places. Do does Toronto? Uh, does Chicago remind you of Toronto? Like yes. Toronto reminds me it of does. Chicago. Yeah, I very really much. feel like they're mm-hmm. they're such similar cities. Uh-huh. Every time I'm in Toronto, I feel like man, I feel like like you know the exchange rate's killing me. But like I'm right, I, I should be able to walk around the corner to my favorite bars. They're so similar. Yeah. Anyway, that's totally off topic. But then you're, you know, then you're all across Canada, you know, touring the winter in Canada. I guess that's what you just, that's what you do when you're a Canadian. Uh, and then you are overseas, actually, in February as well, all around. So we've, you're playing so many shows. Like what, what is, I'm really curious, what is your pre-show ritual?
1: Well, I sacrifice a goat.
0: Of course, of it's course. It's very
1: important. And then I dance around naked. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't really have a, a ritual per se. I mean, I just do like the boring stuff, like have a throat coat, tea, and some honey yeah. and, <laughs> you know, do some silly little like lip trills and stuff like that. Yeah. Before well, I go on. well but, that's why I ask. Everybody's yeah. got their little thing. Yeah. You know, like,
0: yeah. Do you hide out?
1: No, not really. I mean, when I I toured with Social Distortion, and so a lot of times we were, like, sharing with... Because I was... um, We had, like, an opener, which was The Biters, and then myself, and then Social D. And myself and The Biters, which was, like, this glam sort of punk rock kind of band, we would share um, rooms. And it was really funny because... Um, they're the only guys I've ever met that work on their hair as much as I do, which is, we, we had a lot of bonding time in the mirror, the, the two of us. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, you know, like, I I don't, I you know, there's no room really for hiding out when you're sharing rooms like that. So, you just I th- kind of learn to be communal. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I, I really think that people who aren't musicians would be very surprised to see how lackluster so many backstage areas are.
1: Oh, truly, and, yeah. The
0: big venues sometimes yeah. have the crappiest rooms backstage. That's where they store all their old junk and there's like kegs hanging around and like...
1: It's funny when people like... A popcorn (laughs)
0: machine that doesn't work, you know?
1: Yeah. Or people like want... They think they really want backstage passes and I'm like... (laughs) Really? Stay here. <laughs> it's, it's not much as glamorous as you think it is. It's like we're just being really boring in the back here, you know, yeah. unwinding after a show.
0: Worst thing that ever happened e- eating
1: our like wheat thins. <laughs> yeah,
0: the worst thing that ever happened to me, I was I was changing strings before a show in the basement of a bar bar, excuse me. And I had like a beer. You know, just sipping on it and changing my strings. And I wasn't paying attention and I'm you know, it's a little sip, tune up string, blah 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 blah. And I reached over and grabbed a different cup that I didn't realize was sitting right in the vicinity and took like a little swig off of it. And I I'll never know what was in there. Like two month old beer could be a lot. Could have been a lot worse in this. Somebody's cup.
1: urine. Could, I,
0: was, I, I wasn't going to go there, but now that you said it, I was, It could be like bodily fluids. Only
1: because I've seen it.
0: Bodily, bodily fluids of some kind. You know. And then it was like the spit take and the blah, the running around and yeah, washing my mouth out. And, you know. So you got to. Those are those are topsy turvy places. Yeah. You've got to be careful with those. Yeah. Anyway, how about another tune? Sure. What, what's it going to be this time?
1: I'm going to do a song called "Little Eye" off my first record. Off
0: the first record, mm-hmm. and that record. This is the first full record, or because you had a couple EPs in there too, right?
1: Um, Yeah, it's uh, off Little Red Boots. Little Red
0: Boots. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's your first record proper. Uh Okay.
2: One, two, one, two, three, four. I told a little lie or two when I spoke to you on the phone the other night. What's a girl supposed to do when the bitter truth turns into a sweeter lie? Didn't want to tell you, tell you, didn't want to tell you anything you didn't want to hear. Look a little closer then the truth becomes clear. A little lie or three when you looked at me and asked if I love you still. Well, I don't. You don't wanna know it's real, how I really feel, never did, and you never will. No, 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 no. Didn't wanna tell you, tell you, didn't wanna tell you anything you didn't wanna hear. truth becomes clear I told a little lie A with you at my door Wondering where in the hell I've been Truth. Look a little closer than the truth, become.
0: Very nice, Lindy. This is Lindy Ortega on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. We come to you from beautiful Pasadena, California every Wednesday night. You can hear all of our shows, including Lindy's, once we get it up there. Uh, at Lancer, i um, excuse me at dot com, I N D E P D A Y dot com. Please follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash indepday, and of course on Twitter as well at Indepth Stop by and see us. We'd love it. We can have some lemonade or maybe a beer. Uh but tonight, live in our studio, Lindy Ortega, we love having you. This is great. I love this style of music. It's Thank like you. it's like I love music that's kind of f- traditional but yet forward looking at the same time. You're kind of taking an old idiom and pushing it into new places.
1: Yeah, I always say like um, you know, that the 70s happened. It's like you can never, you know, it is, it was. It happened and it was. And there'll always be a modern element to what I do because. I was born in this era. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: very, very nice. Well you're I mean you're new. You're doing your own yeah. thing. You know, you're not yeah. doing um, you know, we had a great band in here last year called Broke Down in Bakersfield. <laughs> nice. They're a band from up in um, they're from San Francisco. Yeah. And they've all they've all got bands. They've brought, like they're well known bands, like they're heavy hitter players around, they tour nationally, a lot of these people have label deals. But they all love this Bakersfield country style mm-hmm. music. And like, you know, they'd see each other at all these different parties and social events, like, well we should we should just do a band, and they're essentially like they're kind of a cover band, but kind of not because they play all these like really traditional versions of these songs, but they're smoke and players, so they sound fantastic and because they' you know they're all connected people in the business, they don't play any slouch gigs, like they can step right into doing tours and yeah. step right into doing these like bigger time shows. and I love them so much, <laughs> and they they've they've kind of started writing. Music kind of to fit that style, which is like as a writer, is a cool exercise. Yeah. You know, like when you're approaching your music, um, you know, are you taking a page? You know, like, how how much do you take that into consideration when yeah. you write? Are you looking at the people? Like, I was going to say, like, you know, there's, like, the Holy Trinity for Chick Singers in Nashville. There's, like, what did I say? Tammy, Loretta, and Patsy, yeah. you know, and there's a few others, of course, Dolly, and there's yeah. some others, too. But, like, what what do you take from them? Like, or how do you make it yours, maybe, mm, my, is a better a way to say that? my
1: big inspiration comes from Johnny Cash. So, I, I mean, I love, big fan of his murder ballads, you know, like, Folsom Prison and Delia's gone, and um, that's what sort of inspired, inspired "Murder of Crows" off of um, this new record. And I mean, I just kind of wanted to do a female take on that because you don't hear a whole lot of female singers singing about that stuff. Um, also, love Johnny for the the sort of um, the beat and the the, the rhythms. Train rhythms. Yeah, that kind of I really love that the chickaboom, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I also love the way he juxtaposes sort of light and dark imagery and. Um, Sort of, if if you took the words out of Folsom Prison Blues, you would think it was a very jovial song, you know. So I loved, I thought that was very interesting how how he did that, and it's an it's an interesting mood that's set by by putting those really dark lyrics to that yeah. really jovial kind of beat. So yeah, yeah, um, big like, fan of him.
0: Other than like Hank Williams, is there a bigger icon in country <laughs> music than Johnny Cash?
1: I don't know. You know. Yeah, Hank Williams is pretty big, too. I mean, yeah. I've,
0: I've said for years that I think that Johnny Cash, you know, he should be on Mount Rushmore.
1: He should be. And, you know, he's respected all over. It's not not just in country, but, like, hip-hop artists oh, yeah. love him too he's like super respected. He's just because he's
0: real yeah that's the thing and and i'm so i mean i guess everyone is i'm so thankful for rick rubin yes and what he did in the yeah, last decade yeah. of johnny's career because yeah. you know cash had plenty of money you know he's got the house in jamaica his yeah. place in tennessee and he's just kind of you know riding out the twilight of his life and of his yeah. career and nobody you know he couldn't get a gig And rick rubin you know like a Svengali, sees. Svengali, cash in this state and just thinks man
1: revives and he
0: single handedly gave him what is probably you know it couldn't have happened of course without the first things that he did but you know the most artistically valid stuff maybe that he's ever done
1: I mean I was just having this conversation the other day and I, I was saying like I love Johnny's early stuff but I love like old man Johnny, like his vocals is just, there's something to, you know, songs like Ain't No Grave, like him singing songs like that with his old man voice is just like so poignant to me. And artist
0: after artist after artist, like they hear his version of their song, you know, the Beck tune, uh, Tom Petty heard him do Southern accents, you know, and now, you know, when I hear Southern accents, I mean, I love Petty's version, but like, it's almost like Johnny Cash now owns that song.
1: Yeah, or the um, personal Jesus, or uh-huh. um, Rusty Cage. There's like so yeah. <laughs> many, you know, he did so many of those.
0: And 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 like I said, thank God for Rick Rubin. Yeah, what a genius that yeah. guy is. Oh,
1: we can't we can't leave out the Nine Inch Nails song, which is like of one course. of the most poignant of, of, of all his covers. Yeah, and that was right towards the end. Yeah, too, and like that video was really ones. something else.
0: And it's so it's so cool to see. In an era where so much music, especially popular music, seems to be, you know, pop is very popular right now. Yeah. You know, think back to, like, the early 70s. Rock was king, you mm-hmm. know, and then it kind of became an 80s thing with, like, synthy British kind of sounding stuff. And then it was, like, the grunge thing. Um, and now it's pop, and it's, it's so easily consumable and, like, instantly digestible, but it has no nutritional value, it seems like. Uh, at, at least that's me talking here. And to see a guy like Cash do something was so real, mm-hmm. so real with so much depth that, you know, it just blew me, it just blew me away. You know, the whole story about the billboard that they put up in Nashville, like, cause I don't think cash was nominated for a Grammy. And I think Rick Rubin bought the billboard and he's like, you know, thank, no thanks to the Nashville establishment <laughs> for, for, you know, thanks for nothing, Yeah, you know, but yeah, crazy. You've seen Rick Rubin, right? He looks like yeah. a crazy biker guy. <laughs> I imagine Nashville doesn't take too well to him. So anyway, so let's get back to you and what you're doing. Um, so what do you, you know, what do you take from it? What's your background in music or singing? You know, you've got this voice and you, you, you know, tip of your hat, you know, to those female icons, but you've got like a little Jeff Buckley mixed in there with that vibrato. I do like, I think and,
1: Jeff Buckley is a wonderful uh, singer for sure. I'm a big fan of singers. I love, like, yeah. you know, for as much, like, I love Dylan and Neil Young for like lyrically for that sort of thing. Um, but I really do love real. Really good singers like I love Solomon Burke and Sam yeah. Cooke and like, so, but where though? Yeah. Like,
0: how did that make it into your world? You know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, for, like for you as a young kid, like you know what what singers did you hear that made you think, "Damn, I want to do that"? Or yeah. you know, not just who you emulate, but it was, uh,
1: well, you know, I, m- my dad was a bass player in a Latino band when I was growing up, so. Um, uh, the first time i you know really saw a stage and all that sort of stuff i was like 4 years old at his uh sound check um with my mom you know and i see my dad on the stage and they used to have like various women sort of coming in and guest singing with with his band and they were all these very glamorous uh you know mexican beautiful women. And so, I mean, I would see them and I'd just be sort of mesmerized and bewitched by the whole thing. And so that was sort of my first uh, introduction to that kind of thing. And then, um, and then, you know, my, we had this um, classical guitar that was on the wall in our basement because he, my dad had bought it for my mom to teach her how to play and she wasn't interested. So it ended up going on the wall. And I think the fact that it was on the wall is what really, um, drew me to it because I thought it was like a piece of art or something, and I said I want to play that. So he took it down off the wall and he taught me a C and a G chord, which are the only chords I know to this day. And um, I figured if I knew three chords or if I could figure out how to do three chords, I could write a song. And um, and I, I just started writing songs. And then uh, um, you know I was singing at my locker in high school one day you know, and just kind of, like, singing to myself. And a girl came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, you should, you know, like, be in the variety show and, like, do a song or something. Like, you should try that out. So that's when I sort of first figured out that I wanted to be a singer. It was the first sort of variety show thing that I did, you know, assembly for my school. And I got up there with the guitar with my little three-chord song, and um, it was a rush, and it's been, like, an addiction ever since.
0: So did you, were your parents very supportive of your musical aspirations? Did you go to college? I uh, went to
1: university okay. for... Yeah, uh, university is what they call it. In Canada. <laughs> you highfalutin Canadians in your yeah. universities. <laughs> um, I went uh well, let's answer your question. Um my father was extremely supportive being a musician. Um, my mother was a lot more um, practical when I was growing up. And she, um, I can understand now where she was coming from, because she witnessed uh, the very difficult, you know, trying to make a living that my dad was doing. And, um, you know, paying for like a baby and, um, you know, at, at home and food. And it was just a very difficult existence for us as, as far as she could see. So um, she was very much about you need to get your education, you need to, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, thank her for all that. Now, back then I butt heads with her, uh, quite a bit because I wanted to sing. I wanted to, you know, I remember like, you, you know, I was supposed to be studying for exams and it would be three in the morning and I'd just be wanting to write songs instead of, you know, and I, I wouldn't, if it was like multiple choice, I would just guess my way through an entire yeah. thing. I ended up actually graduating and getting a degree, funnily enough. Is it, I, uh,
0: is it related to music in any way?
1: No, it's philosophy. Philosophy. But I'm like, you know well, what, it, might, it might be related lyrically, for sure. I know, I know a lot
0: yeah. of musicians who are philosophy yeah. majors for very, very different yeah. reasons. Usually it had to do with pot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I wasn't a, a pot smoker. In, in, uh, maybe if I was, I would have been a better student, but uh, no. Yeah. It's so
0: funny, like the whole pot thing in music. Like I felt like uh, I'm not really a big, I'm not a user, but I mean, I, there's bands who are friends of mine. They have a built-in fan base. Yeah, because all their pot friends come to see their <laughs> pot band, and they do the noodle dance, Grateful Dead thing, and it's yeah. like it's like you. I felt like it's in some ways it's hindered me. Yeah, in the music business because mm-hmm. you know everyone else like they want to get all baked before they do their session, and you know I, I had other things to do. I was too motivated to to to, to mess around. I'll yeah. have a beer, but um, I don't know. I just really felt like it kind of it worked kind of in a different way than I expected it to.
1: Yeah, I, I could never play a show. I mean, I'm. I... I would just be talking people's ears off for hours if I, <laughs> if I indulged in that before I'd just play. be asleep. Like, I wouldn't even bother going <laughs> yeah. on the stage. I'd just be asleep on
0: a road case back behind the stage. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit about the, the Juno Award experience. Like you, know, you had like I said, you had done a couple EPs. You had the record. It um, came out on my birthday, coincidentally, in 2011. Little well, Red I Boots. made it just for you of course, for your birthday. <laughs> it was our destiny. Um, you know, how, did, how did that change things?
1: Um, or did it? You know it was uh, it was very i know it's so cliche to say it's an like honor to be nominated, but it really was it was nice to get the recognition because I felt if anything that nomination helped get the the word out about me in Canada just that little bit more you know with whatever press that we did and maybe it piqued people's curiosity as to what I was doing and i mean. That's always I'm always grateful for any kind of you know press or you know. There's no bad press, as they say. Yeah, so um, so it was nice in that respect, and um, you know I got to do some really cool little parties and check out some of the fun little parties and.
0: Where did they do the ceremony? Is it in Toronto? Mm
1: Well, well, yeah, it was in Ottawa. It was in our nation's capital last last year, so. Um, it was there, and um yeah it was it was fun, you know, I get a little bit nervous of the whole red carpet aspect of it uh, it was it was kind of my first time doing it it actually was my first time doing a red carpet and as much as red is my favorite color, I've never been so scared of it in my life. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, it's it's uh, quite an experience, I guess, uh, just because there's a, well, everybody wants to see Bieber, you know, because oh he's Lord. our big hero in Canada. So um, I, I just kind of like, my my dad drove me up to the red carpet and the door opened and there was all these like kids just like crazy, like screaming. And I was so terrified, but um yeah, it was fine. I did it and I, I
0: And so so it did, didn't change things a whole lot or I mean did, that was where was that like where did that take place in terms of your move? Cuz you were that was like 2011. So that was last year's awards and think like you moved after that?
1: Um gosh. Where did I'm it happen? It,
0: how did, how did the timeline play into that whole thing?
1: I think I was in Nashville. I might have been in Nashville. I think I was. Yeah. Yes.
0: There's, I know some of my Canadian musician friends, they almost have resentment at Canadian artists who go off to America to like find their success. Have you felt any of that?
1: Oh, I don't really pay attention. I, you know, I, I'm always flying by the seat of my own pants and I just don't, uh, I don't pay attention to anything really. I just do what I do. And, yeah. um, yeah, I, I haven't really encountered any straight-up, like, resentment from, from anybody. I, yeah. I just did what I felt I had to do that was working for me, and I don't, you know, yeah, expect everybody your, else to do it or anything. Follow like your that. own star. Yeah. Follow your own star. <laughs> yeah. There's so
0: much great music up in Toronto, though. There was a period there where, like, all my favorite bands were from Toronto. Like, I loved Blue Rodeo. I loved Cowboy Junkies. Um, Kathleen Edwards is not. she's from farther north, but now I think she lives in Toronto now. Big fan of hers. Yeah. Um, and I loved... Um, the, the Neil Young tribute album that came out in the 90s with all Canadian artists. I thought it was like the greatest thing ever that I'd ever seen. It was all these Canadian bands covering all yeah. these Neil tunes. And there was an acoustic one and an electric one, and I still have that record. I still dig it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've, I, have a, I have a Weird Jones for Canada.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of really great talent in Canada for sure. Anyway,
0: so now you're in Nashville. Um, tell me what your like label experience is like. You know, coming from Canada, it's a little different. I mean, are you are you on you're on a label now?
1: Yeah, I'm on a, a label called Last Gang Records, and okay. it's uh, it, it's a family. It's a I feel very much part of a family, and it's been really great. They've been wonderful to me. They, um, you know, they allow me to see my vision through, and. Um, they don't really tell me how to you know a lot of people hate on their labels because they're like oh they're telling me how to do this and dress like this and act like this and I don't get any of that I I'm I have a very supportive um, team behind me who um, allows me all sorts of creative freedoms which uh, I'm so grateful for
0: yeah yeah well it's great I mean it's great if you can get it you know yes, what I mean because the labels the, the roles have changed a little bit like this record this label you're on I mean you know once upon a time it's like they kind of gave you money and then you went and did your thing. But, like, how much, like, how are they supporting you? Like, are they providing you tour support? Are they, you know, managing? Like, tell me how they're this... They're
1: pretty, they're supporting me in, like, every, every aspect. Way. Yeah, yeah, because um, especially for, for me, um, my kind of career is one where you sort of plant seeds and you, you build it slowly but surely kind of a thing, you know, and um, and so they're, they're just, you know, really helping do that and getting me the exposure and putting, you know, teams in place for me all over like in, in the U.S. and Canada, uh, over in Europe and the U.K. and um, sticking by me and um, doing a hell of a job.
0: Very nice! Mm-hmm. Yay for labels Yay. When, they're, when they're not when they're when they're doing good things for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very nice. So when you we've got all these dates, I'm looking at all these dates. Uh, there's probably I don't know 50 dates on the <laughs> sheet through through March here. Yeah. Um, are you? How many of these are solo shows versus band shows?
1: Um, I mean, it goes back and Rena forth. ballpark, it, it, yeah, I'm not looking it, for like it, exact figures. It depends. Here. I think we're going to be doing most of those ones with the band. Okay. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be fun. So, so vanning. <laughs> Vanning around, yes, it's so yes. much fun.
0: Watch your gear, man. There's been a rash of yeah. gear theft. I'm, I've I'm so paranoid about that stuff.
1: Yeah, I've been really lucky with with all that. We we make sure our little tricks are, you know, like if you're backing into, you know, a, a brick wall, so people like um, can't get in between the the back door and the yeah. you know steel stuff or whatever. So we we do little tricks here to, to try and prevent. I wonder that. if
0: there's a way. There's got to be like a technological way, like the way the, the way everybody can put up webcams for nothing now. Yeah. Like, I wonder if there's there's some technological way around this. Yeah. There's a, there's microchip, a business oppor- microchip
1: your instruments. Totally. There's a, there's a business opportunity <laughs> yeah. here.
0: I, I, I'm going to think on this yeah. for a little bit. And there's my million. Yeah. Really? Or we could
1: just get like a Rottweiler and stick it in the back. <laughs> you know,
0: uh, what's his name? Uh, he used to live out in Joshua Tree. He just moved to Nashville. Tim Easton, okay. great singer-songwriter. He tours with his dog. Oh, really? And then the girl we had on, we had a girl back in December named Pi Jacobs. She was fantastic. And she tours with her dog, too. And I've never, I've taken my dog, I've done like, Musical vacations up the California coast, right? I would play shows along the way, but it wasn't like a full on hard, hard nosed tour. So I brought Sally, my dog, for that, and I always feel better because I love having her around. She's like my right arm, but then I don't worry about stuff. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not hot, you can kind of like leave her in the car, and nobody's going to mess with it. Mm-hmm. And she looks like this big dog, but she's just a teddy bear,
1: just a slobbering
0: <laughs> teddy bear. How about one more tune before we run out of time? Sure, anyway? I'm
1: going to do a, a cover this time around. Very nice. Yes. The Is boss. it going to be a surprise? No, it's going to be the boss. The boss. The boss. Thank mm-hmm. you.
2: good to you? Can she do to you the things I don't do? Oh, no. I can take you high. Oh, oh, oh I'm on fire. It's like someone took a knife, baby, edging and done. Sheets soaking wet in a freight train
0: Tonight we are very, very happy to be talking to Lindy Ortega and having her perform live for us in our studio. Very, very nice. Hard to beat a cover of The Boss there, man. (laughs) I was driving home from somewhere just the other night and heard, uh, like, you turn on the radio station and the DJ, just the song had just ended. It was like, oh, and that was Bruce Springsteen playing Jersey Girl, which is like (laughs) Tom Waits, one of my favorite artists of all time. And that's like Springsteen's big Tom Waits cover. And I was like, oh, I just missed it. You know, like, there's something, there's a romance to radio, even now. Yeah, you know because you you know we've all got iPods everything's on demand we can watch any TV show on our phone anytime we want basically any music you know my whole collection the hundreds and hundreds of CDs is on my, my big iPod it's not on my phone but uh, but there's something about the radio and having something come on that's like a synergy. Like when that song came on, you know, I was driving through Nebraska and the Counting Crows tune came on, the Omaha tune came on, or yeah. you know, these all these things happen. You know, it's like it's something I think it's still there's still a romance attached to radio. Yeah, I know? think so too. Uh, so you've got this this new record just came out in October. You've got tons of dates to promote this thing coming up. Um, but recently, you know, there's this new show Nashville set in your hometown, but you had, you had a, like a cameo appearance in the show, playing in this thing. Like how did, tell me about that experience.
1: Um, well, it was wild. Uh, I just, they, yeah, they, they called me and like, they'd used a couple of my songs in, in the first few episodes of it, which was really awesome of them. And then, uh, the call came to, would you, like to play yourself in, in, uh, episode six. And, uh, I said, sure, you know, I, I can, I can act myself. That's not a problem. And, uh, you know, the people that play with me in the scene are actually the people that I play with in real life. So that was a lot of fun to have them out there with me on, on the set. And, uh, it was just a really cool experience to be part of all that. And, uh, the show itself is an interesting watch for me because you, as being a new person, like a new, um, um Nashville. You know, yeah. New Nashville. Um, it's uh you know, you see all the places that that you know show up on you know, I'm like, oh I have been there, I've been to the Five Spot or the Bluebird Cafe or or what have you. So Man. it's in, And you see people that like you've met, you know, like there's people in the episodes that you've actually met.
0: Try living in Los Angeles. <laughs> Everywhere you yeah. go, everything you see has been in some commercial some And you see it all the time. Like, I didn't notice it until I moved out, obviously, until I moved out here. You, you recognize, like, Chicago, other places I've been. But now that I live here, like, everywhere I go, it's like, oh, yeah, there's that house, yeah. and there's that house, and that bridge, and that whatever, you know?
1: I think it's so cool, though, you know? I mean, because I'm from Toronto, so it's completely um, different thing for me, this whole, like, television world and, and all that sort of stuff, so... Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, yeah, it was a cool scene. I watched it. I watched a little bit on your on your website. And the funniest thing for me was like this is the like the break from reality, the suspension of disbelief. Like they're they've got you, and they pan back and they start to have action, and like they they fade down your music just a little bit. But then you're like playing like forty feet away with a full band, yeah. And they're just having this casual conversation casual, at the yeah. bar, which would never happen in a trillion years. It would be so loud that they wouldn't be they'd be screaming <laughs> in each other's ears. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. It's it's funny. But, to the miracle
0: so, of technology. Yeah, the
1: miracle of technology.
0: Let's talk about cover songs for just a second. That was something I've noticed you've done a few of, what you just played a second ago, The the Boss. Um, And, you know, the first thing that really grabbed me about your music was your cover of Ring of Fire. Again, Cash, you know, badass of of the highest order. (laughs) Um, What do you – because if I'm playing, you know, you can just toss off a cover. It's easy enough to toss off a cover. But this is Cash. You know, there's like respect for the legacy and what he is, and the iconic his his iconoclastic nature. And like, how did you just kind of do it, or do you have to approach it from like this place of reverence when you when you do something like a cash cover? Because you do a really smoking cover. I've seen a million bad covers of that song, (laughs) a million. It's like maybe like only Brown Eyed Girl is the most song that's covered more yeah. poorly than that song, yeah. so but you did a really great job with it, and like did does it did it, maybe it 's a random question, but it did it just come naturally, or did you have to like carry that weight
1: i just I wanted to do it a little I always feel it's important to try and do covers a little different than the way they are, you know, and um so I always try to shake it up a little bit um and i do have i have a lot great respect for for johnny cash and but i love his songs so much it's hard for me not to sing them all the time you know so i always do anyway and um i just wanted to take that that particular song you know and and sultrify it that's the word that i make it a sultry uh, kind of sexier kind of uh version of it because his version is quite you know upbeat with the um, the mariachi yeah, horns. Yeah, the mariachi horns, which is it's so brilliant. And, um, you know, I, I just, I needed to do it, come from a different perspective with it, you know, to, to try and do it justice in my own way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> well, you've got, like I said, you've got a ton of dates coming up this year. I wish you the absolute best. I mean, there's so many dates. I'm not even going to say them on the air because... People should just go to your website, which is lindyortega.ca, and they'll learn all about you, find out about all these dates. I mean, most of the cities in America, you'll be rolling through some British cities, uh, European dates coming up this year. So good luck. Be safe. Thank you. you know, play a lot of great shows. And you can, <laughs> like I said, you can learn everything about her, lindyortega.ca, facebook.com slash fans, and you can follow her on the Twitter. And we, of course, are lancerradio.org. So thanks again one last time to Lindy Ortega. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski. And as always, to Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.